Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Fortnite Story. I'm joined alongside a, a co-host on another podcast or the host of the Fortnite podcast, Monster Deface. You guys probably know him for a bunch of different things, but uh, welcome and thanks for joining, Monster. How you doing? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, SBG, and of course for everyone tuning in, man. It's a it's a pleasure to jump on here. I knew it was going to happen eventually, right? But uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy I get to be a part of the beginnings of the Fortnite story. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get you on here, and you know we, we teased it. If you guys didn't listen, we had an awesome episode of the uh, Fortnite podcast. Talked about a lot of things. Um, so I mean, I guess we can kind of just start right there. Like, what have you been up to? I know. Personally, you got a lot of stuff going on, so I'd love to hear and have you share what's all going on. Yeah, I mean, oh man, the my world is a little crazy. Uh, some of you guys may or may not know this, but I wear a lot of hats outside of just being a forward-facing talent member of the space. You know, when I'm not being monster, basically on camera, I'm being just Javier and attending a lot of meetings. Uh, so yeah, dude, just running the practice server full time as a production and administration company. So. What's on the menu right now, we're closing a really, really big deal. Um, and this is going to allow us to expand into Motiverses, okay. Rumbleverse, and a little little dabble into Minecraft. So it's a entirely new territory for us. Um, and yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. So definitely working on some cool projects. Nice, nice. I What kind of productions do they even do in Minecraft? I'm not sure that I've ever <laughs> seen something like that. So they definitely have their little, uh, their worlds, or there's some tournaments, there's some survival game modes and stuff like that. There's okay. a, a competitive ecosystem there, but what we're building for this client is just more of a play-in experience. So just helping, uh, what would be facilitating, you know, some some games, essentially. Oh, nice, nice. And then the other one you mentioned, Multiverses. I know Rumbleverse, not as well-versed in that one, but Multiverses, I've been loving, Um play that myself and then watch a lot of like hungry box uh, from the smash community yeah, yeah. and those guys that's like my my secret uh pleasure is watching <laughs> smash like both ultimate and melee um and then multiverse has kind of been the the newer one have you you given that a shot at all or no nah? so, so i haven't played it i've definitely watched a fair amount of it um talking about hungry box i actually met that dude in florida one time a local pop-up melee smash tournament happened and this dude shows up and he no mercies all the poor regular <laughs> casuals like myself there um, and wins the entire local tournament at the bar on the fly. Um, so it's just a shell. Just I, I say this to say the man's a competitor uh, across any game he touches. But yeah, to see him hopping over, kind of crossing over into the other fighting games of uh, multiverses, definitely looks like it's going to be sick. So. Yeah, cool. That's uh, really interesting. And for you guys that don't know, Practice Server started out within Fortnite and then has now expanded well beyond. Um, I've got to hear a lot of the cool stories about how you've done things like that. Um, I I'd be interested to know, like, for you, what was the coolest production that you've put on? And what was the most difficult one, if it's not the same one? It definitely. These are two totally different ones. The coolest one was the event that we did. We partnered up with the studio or a, an organization called Confetti Studios. Um, Confetti, they basically, they create scholastic or they have this scholastic agenda. They cater to aspiring people in the esports space to teach them how to do production and kind of onboard them into like these complicated programs to actually produce events. But we partner with them. They have this awesome studio. And my proudest moment, my favorite moment in esports up to date was seeing my logo on the stage so 
to like practice server's logo for the first time on a live stage environment in the LED panel. Like, I can't tell you how cool that felt to me, like knowing like, holy crap, we built that, you know, <laughs> especially if you've ever seen the original practice server logo, it was a art paint drawn stupid like meme thing and we would change it season to season um it wasn't until we decided to take it seriously as a business and we kind of committed to the current logo so that was my that was my favorite moment that was definitely the coolest for me i felt felt very special i, I don't think i'll ever forget that feeling that was really really cool um my most difficult tournament at the start of the year probably yeah the start of last year we had a soundcloud uh approached us to do a tournament for them essentially and this is through another agency another production agency so we worked in um in parallel with them to produce an event for soundcloud not only was it a disaster because like you, you <laughs> the the rap industry are like notorious these rappers are notorious for not showing up on time so that's like number one this whole event is marketed and built around them showing up on time yeah people in traffic fortnite's not installed Never took the time to check out all the guides we produced on how to get into a creative game. Um, and then on top of that, a hurricane hit uh, Texas at that time. And oh, I had geez. a power outage. So I had to go to a friend's area. I was producing off a hot spot of a cell phone on top of a bookshelf case, running off a generator that was uh, <laughs> powering the system there. So it was, um, it was complicated. It was very difficult for a lot of number of reasons. But that was by far my least enjoyable experience ever producing an event or being a part of an activation in any capacity. I can imagine. That's like throwing all the the dodgeballs <laughs> at you that you have to figure out. Not only is like the people that are participating being a problem, but you literally just didn't have power. That does not sound fun. How did outside like outside of the means of anything I could do, like you can't. You can't do anything when Mother Nature just decides they're going to literally slap a hurricane on top of your house and your entire neighborhood has an outage. We're lucky enough that Verizon service had a dope hotspot signal at that <laughs> time. And I was able to leverage that because we didn't have any Wi-Fi uh, accessible or anything. Well, at a, at a scale of 10, how did that one turn out? I mean, in the end, forward facing, like, you know, the people tuned in, we actually peaked out around like 20, almost 30,000 viewers, I believe. And, oh, wow. uh, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, we made it work. We made it work. So that that's always a, a positive. We got paid. We didn't <laughs> we didn't fail. Right. They're in like, hey, you guys did not deliver like this can't happen. Um, no, we, we did everything we had to do. It, it turned out, uh, you know, the way it was supposed to. At least it was uh, yeah, it was a cool tournament. And I'm happy again that uh, we got through that. Never again, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I I know that you've taken some precautions, too, to make sure that, like, any of those things happen. You got backup power and all that stuff. So you learn, you know, you figure something out there. Uh, I remember, so speaking from, like, the rappers not showing up thing, I did a creative tournament with Team 33, and it was supposed to be with T-Pain, right? And then two days before, it's not T-Pain. It's, like some other rapper i've never heard of right and i'm like okay this is gonna be a ride so dude gets on literally sitting there rolling a blunt like as we're starting no. the show on camera has oh music playing in the background there's background noise then starts smoking it and just is talking to his friends while this like 
production is going on and eventually like he just got booted like that dude was no value just sitting there not being helpful and it was hilarious like sitting there watching him like no freaking way is this going on right now but it was and <laughs> i was sitting there laughing also kind of like ah oh, crap okay i gotta it, gotta get for, through this for the event we were doing too like the soundcloud one we had the same instance where like but but they knew not to smoke <laughs> on stream and you know what i mean but you yeah. got them asking like yo can we no you cannot do that okay we have uh, Adobe as an, a, sp a sponsor here. Obviously, SoundCloud is paying you guys to show up and promote all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, they they were equally in, in that same <laughs> realm. We're talking about the same kind of people here. Uh, yeah, just, just no regard for the event that's being produced. Um, I think it's because, yeah, they see that it's remote. You can do it from whatever place that you can tune in from. And to them, that's like takes all the seriousness out the window. But they don't realize this is about as serious as it can get to. You know what I mean? There's still a lot burning on the line. Yeah, it's a whole different world. Um, anyway, thanks for sharing that. That's uh, an interesting piece. So sure. last night, I don't know if you saw it, but there's like the 100 Thieves Frosty stuff going on. I don't want to dive too deep into that because, like, honestly, I don't care about the drama between them. But there was a lot that arose. Like, everyone was telling, oh, here's how I got started. I didn't get paid. And, like, you saw those tweets coming out last night about, like, oh, I did this and this and this. But what is, like, the Monster D-Face origin story? How did you get started in esports and then you know kind of how we got here now i don't we don't have that you know five hours but give us the short <laughs> version yeah i'll get i'll give you guys a rundown before i do that though i want to i want to throw a bit of a take on yesterday because like you said a lot of people were tweeting all this stuff and all i could think to myself was i wanted to put a post out that just said i um, i don't know why everyone's tweeting these things out because i'm willing to put my money on the fact that they don't work as hard as they think they're saying they do I was just seeing a lot of people that are like not in the positions, you know what I mean? To be kind of yeah, tooting yeah. up the horn, talking about, I did this, I did that. And I'm just thinking to myself like, but you don't really do anything. Let's, let's be <laughs> honest here. You're still not really doing much. But anyways, now they're here nor there. I didn't want to pick a fight with those guys yesterday. I, I pick and choose my battles, but Smart. let's get to, uh, let's get to, yeah, where I began. So, I mean, I've, I'm approaching my 10th year in the industry. That'll actually come in December of, uh, basically the end of december i think my first stream was december 12th congrats on that by the way that 10 years in this space that's very impressive 10 years in this space man so that'll that'll be coming up this december it all began with me just doing twitch live streams um my ego was up here yeah, I, I kid you not i saw summit do a stream he was playing daisy and i thought to myself and i love summit i love what he's built but i this is all i could think to myself was that if this old man <laughs> can do this i can too i i kid you not that was my that was my perspective and um at that point i decided you know what i'm gonna capture my gameplay and i'm gonna do it myself so that's where it began uh i learned very quickly it's not that easy so years of and years of years of working hard to this day i don't average what summits managed to build not even close but that just shows you the how, how difficult it is even with all the time i put in so went from playing games um, to then producing content and understanding the value of YouTube and how YouTube content in particular lives forever. Like, so that was really cool. So once that kind of clicked in my brain, I really started focusing on, hey, you know, I, I don't ever really want to have a big Twitch channel. That's cool. But if I can have a big YouTube channel, to me, that just felt like it felt more important. 
Um, so I put more effort into that. And that helped me learn so much more about learning platforms and how to work platforms uh, and how to create content for platforms. So that was like a real changing um, and a turning point for me. Uh, from YouTube, tutorial content, news content has always been my niche. That sort of led me down an avenue to like be a caster. It's almost like a shoe-in for an, uh, an analyst because you're kind of doing it anyways. You're teaching people. So Fortnite's the first game that I really had a chance and opportunity to cast at a professional level. And I think Epic for that because... They took someone who was passionate about the game and the community and taught them how to be a professional on camera, which most instances, it doesn't really work like that. You usually get the professional, you say, hey, here's the content, talk about it. And then you, you know, you learn about the game. But in this, in this instance, it went backwards. So from uh, four years ago when, when Fortnite was released, essentially, I became one of the casters early on, early December. Um, and that led me to launching our business because uh, I figured... Well, if they could pay me all this money and hire me, why can't I do it myself? And I started learning a long course that it took to learn how to do what we do today. Okay. That that was actually much shorter than I expected. But thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, and I can go into details. I can it, tell you about how I met some people. Well, you know, we'll get there. Know. We'll get there. Don't worry. Because you made it seem like a lot more simple. And, you know, I've heard some of these and, like, the effort, the, the time that's been put in. I wanted everyone listening to it was not easy. Monster said that at first, but it's not any kind of simple plan. I mean, I just to start off, I 100% agree about like the YouTube thing. Uh, I love YouTube as opposed to streaming. I started off in this space of like, I want to play video games for a living and I just want to stream every day. And like, that was my goal at first. And now that I've kind of tried a bunch of different things, I'm not, I wouldn't say successful um, in everything. I've succeeded in certain areas, but I, I wouldn't call myself successful all around. Um, I don't want to be a sh Twitch streamer. Like to me, that's <laughs> the worst position in this entire space. And unless you enjoy it. And like, that's just not something that I enjoy. And I want to, I want to jump on that because I, I put like seven years of streaming, like full time. I was doing it actually, yeah, I, I want to say seven years because the last two years I've slowly exited out of being a day-to-day -day live streamer. Um, and, and again, all of it is, of course, very intentional. I've been deliver, uh, deliberate with the, the course of career path I've taken up until now. But I agree with you. Live streaming, I've, I've been at the top of what live streaming has to offer. Big subscriber counts, thousands of viewers. Um, I mean, shoot, I have hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitch. Um, I don't know how many channels have even hit that. It's probably very, very few. Um, so with that being said, it's it can be very draining, can be very taxing trying to succeed in that space um, in particular. And I've done it across, and this is something that's another accolade of mine. I've done it across multiple game titles. People don't realize how difficult it is to literally build this entire foundation. It's like building a house in one state. And you have to tear it down and build a whole new house in a completely different state. It takes everything from beginning, from scratch, new material, new time invested just to get to something that's uh, worth living in, if you will. It takes time. Um, so like building communities in different games and stuff is the same thing. So I've done it across many different titles. Obviously, Fortnite being uh, my latest, longest stretch of a game I'm uh, committed to. But yeah. Yeah, former Clash of Clans superstar too. 
Clash oh. of Clans. Uh, I did Counter Strike, DayZ, H1Z1. Like it just kind of wriggled my way into the BR community, <laughs> and then Fortnite. Yeah, streaming's tough. I think everyone sees it and is like, "Dude, that's the easiest job in the world." And then once you actually try it and try to become a successful like full-time streamer like it's eight hour days for the most part then it's thinking about (laughs) whatever is going on after that eight hours then you're probably posting somewhere else and unless you have somebody helping you out which most people don't at first there's the editing the the posting all that stuff that goes on afterwards so i personally i love being a caster like just that being a uh career would be the best possible scenario for me for me um for you you've obviously taken on like multiple different paths right you run a business um not only do you run practice server but i believe you're also the ceo of like did movement digital right Mm -hmm. so in editing kind of like full package platform whatever someone needs as far as like video or graphic solutions like you guys provide over there um and then you still do the casting you you do the podcast we've missed a little bit of the the youtube content but uh you've said that might be coming back you got any plans there yeah so you know recently from the prox side we started investing in just having writers create like cool content it's just one of those things where when I look at a brand or when I look at our brand, I look at like what I want to leave behind. Um, I look at writing and, and articles and things like that also as like a, a form of timeless media, um, podcasting, YouTube, uh, written articles. You probably hear thunder out there. So everything cuts off, you know, no, you're good. <laughs> okay. Well, it's definitely loud. It's shaking the room. Um, but yeah, so with all that, I, I lean into timeless media, avenues those are the avenues i like to build in and because of that because i have continued to find a value in those areas different levels of value in those areas that's where i've been focusing and so i've been taking that kind of content and now i want to i just want to create youtube content off of it because why not like i uh, i love to still create i mean obviously there's a reason why i jump on any podcast opportunity um i love creating our podcast stuff and i mean even yesterday i dropped a video talking about the nade shot and frosting like it's a small video it's a little two minute video but it's because i i have the urge to create all the time and that was just one of those moments i literally finished a g4 uh, tv full show you know four hours of casting you know what it's like most times you're done you're like yeah i'm done for the night yeah, but i was toasting. like i had the urge to create you know <laughs> what i mean and that that really kind of proved to me almost validating to me like yeah i, I still love to create um so much in fact that when it was all done i was like dude i gotta drop a video real quick because i just gotta get my perspective out well, not only is it creation, a lot of what you put out on YouTube is almost mentorship or not YouTube, Twitter is mentorship like, right? You're one of the more senior figures within the space. And I would argue probably one of the best role models within Fortnite, uh, especially because it seems like a lot of the first generation of quality role models is past the game and moved on. Now it's that like second tier or second line of role models. I don't think second tier is the right word. Um, but you, you've taken that space and taken it in stride and, and seem to welcome being a mentor, um, especially because Fortnite is such like a young space. So, you know, first of all, do, do you see yourself 
as a mentor and like why if you do did you decide to start becoming one yeah so i definitely i definitely do uh, i know for a fact i'm one of the uh pillars right uh, like i look at like i'm one of the pillars of, of the scene uh, i hold up the foundation that is fortnite I, I know for a fact um i bring a lot of value to the space in a ton of different ways uh so uh, I also cater my content down that direction as well. I understand that there are many, many impressionable fans and players in the space, right? But also influencers too. They're as impressionable as anyone else, right? And you can see that sometimes they follow the wrong people down the wrong paths, uh, paths that can be to the detriment of their own career success. And I guess what started me down that path was I didn't have anyone to, I guess, steer me in the right direction. I had to just learn through like lost opportunity, through uh, burnt bridges with developers and just my years in the esports space. I literally had to learn this the hard way. Um, so as those lessons came to me, I started realizing that they were lessons learned. And I began sharing that outwards with uh, my following. And I liked the way that felt. I loved the way... It looks on the brand, and it's brought me opportunity, um, too. So, like, it, there's a lot of reasons as to why I continued down that uh, that mentorship route. Um, you talked about, I think there was a second part there that you kind of threw into that question. I lost it along the way with my response, but no, uh, you answered. It was why d did you become a mentor at first? It was like, do you see yourself as one, and then why? So, I, I think you answered both. Yeah, for sure. So the, the why is definitely in there. I mean, again, I, I like the way it makes me feel knowing that I'm helping others uh, along the way with uh, you know, with their paths. And, and I just feel like, yeah, there's a lot of lessons I've learned along the way that um, I could help people save time or headache or maybe just take advantage of this very special opportunity they've found themselves in. Because it's not easy to, uh, yeah, it, you know, basically you hit the you hit the gold here if, if you got yourself a following. But, uh, you know, you don't want to you don't want to dry that vein dry essentially right you want to continue to find more success and more gents along the way so i'd help people do that yeah, it's very important and like i know you said it helps you but inherently you helping other people it makes you feel good and it long term those are things that are more sustainable than things you don't want to do so if like you didn't enjoy it it would be worse and it's very important to have a figure like you within the space that is willing to see themselves as a mentor and understand what that means, not just accidentally become a role model or a mentor. And then, like you mentioned, people look up to the wrong people. They go down like the wrong path and see this person's successful. I could do this. I could do that and end up being a lesser version of themselves than what they could be which is unfortunate. So first of all, thank you for doing doing what you do. Um, yeah. And I was thinking the other day, I was trying to figure out like who are the current role models within Fortnite. And like, I, I just couldn't really <laughs> think of anyone. I, maybe it's just me, but like who else? There's, there's a couple. I mean, I, I, and so role, actually role model is, there's a certain level of, perception i think around that word right maybe i can fit that word more closely than others uh but there are still other influential people in our space that provide value that provide value in a positive way 
So maybe role model doesn't quite fit some of the other people that come to mind for me Fair when enough. I think of the word role model, but there are other people that provide positive value to the space. Um, and as long as we have some of that, I mean, at least we have some of that, right? You have to be, I guess, grateful and thankful for those people that put in that level of effort. But yeah, I mean, like just to kind of touch more on it, you know, when, when we use this word and we talk about like role models, you know, it's not just like, you know, I'm helping players not tweet those things or maybe, hey, don't say those things. But it, it also comes down to, you know, finding talent in the space, showing people there's career opportunities, whether that be on camera, whether that be off camera, um, and, and also just helping people just navigate what, what could be like difficult things for people to understand, like some of the professional side, agreements, contracts, how to how to negotiate their value um, and providing value for people in the sense like bringing activations to this entire ecosystem. So there's a lot of layers of, there's a lot of ways basically um, someone can support a scene in a, in a great way. Um, and I like to say that I think I do them in all different types of ways. I try to do them in every way possible. If I think there's a form of value to be had there, I'll pursue those things. And I don't mean to keep feeding your ego here, but you've definitely helped me out along the way. So like the different things as far as just understanding. You can, you feed it, feed it. Nah, <laughs> All right, no, we're, we're done, we're done. Um, <sighs> no, but just understanding like what it means to be a talent member because I, I came probably two, three years after you into this space. And it's not something that you can just Google of like, how does this work? Or, you know, how, how do you get paid even? And like, what do contracts look like? What is a normal looking talent member contract versus like, this person's trying to screw you. Be careful of this. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff is valuable. And you know, there's a number of people I think you've helped along the way. And I hope you realize that and keep doing that because it's it's super important. So uh yeah that's that's all i got on that that spot but and i was just gonna say it it's definitely not gonna end like i said this is something that um i enjoy doing i think if if i can go back in time and you know redo maybe the the route of which my content creation and my path went down i i would have totally done a lot of things differently and every time i see someone in maybe a position like that that I may have been in or, um, you know, they, they can, again, just capitalize on that. That's where I really come in and spring into action where I'm like, oh, yeah, let me help this guy out or let me share this. Maybe someone can uh, can find value in this message today. So, yeah, you know, I, I get in my moods. Just depends where I'm at. Again, I wear so many hats. It, it really just depends where I'm at. It's probably also to my detriment. I do so many things. I don't quite specialize in one field. But anyways, neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, some people could see that as positive or maybe a, a negative too, but it uh, just depends on the weather and type of day. Um, I w would like to learn a little more about the, the talent hat as far as you as a caster. Um, you told an interesting story when we were in Denmark about, I think it was when you met Golden Boy doing like one of your first, if not your first Fortnite tournament. Um, am I remembering that right? Uh there's definitely a story there. I can, I can pick that one up. So my, my first ever Fortnite uh, activation was basically, I was hired as a player to come out, and that's where I met Golden Boy. It was at the PlayStation Experience. Uh, I think sometime around early 2013, um, possibly the end of 2012. Uh, sorry, not 2013, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> the first year of Fortnite, probably 2017, December 2017, if not the end of 2018. Um, but 
I had a chance to, at some point or another, alleviate one of the casters from the desk. I think it was Zeke or someone. He wanted a break. And they were just like, hey, anyone want to jump up on here and, you know, and, and cast a couple games to basically fill the air? Because we had a live audience there. Um, and I, I nominated myself. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm already doing YouTube and stuff. It's The reason they brought me out here is because I had a, I think I had broke my first 100K. I was closing in on it. So I was already kind of like, I was on this nice little momentum train I was riding. And I cast alongside Golden Boy. And I didn't even realize who I was sitting next to at the time. Uh, this man has, again, hit the peak of what is there to offer in the esports space and beyond getting into more of the mainstream stuff and opportunities. So um, sitting down, casting with him, he saw something in me. And he recognized that, yeah, I had my own voice, my own style, my own tone. And he offered me an opportunity to do it with him again. He's like, dude, I think you could do this. Um, you know, we should, we should try it again. And that's exactly what happened. The next time he had a chance to cast in Fortnite, he was basically like, yo, get me that Puerto Rican kid. I want, <laughs> I want that guy. He didn't even know my name at the time. I'm pretty sure he couldn't recall it, but they were like, monster. He was like, that's him. Like, give me, give me monster deface. So that's when he and I began um, casting together kind of early on. It's an awesome story. I did remember that, right? It's definitely a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Um, and it's cool to share those things because, you know, without, those opportunities they're just random you never know when that random opportunity is going to come but you took advantage of it and just continued to run with it now you i would argue you're like a staple on the Fortnite broadcast one broadcast without monster would be one without a big piece like you and shia are kind of the the last remaining people and zeke um as well but he's he's a, a host so a little bit different you know hear hear him as much as you hear you two uh, it, it's interesting to see the development of, of it and like you you guys be able to stick around and not only stick around but I, I'd argue both of you have gotten immensely better since you've started um, putting time into the craft and figuring out how to get better so from your perspective how have you improved and is there certain things that you've done to help you get better at this like if someone's trying to become an up-and-coming caster or something along those lines like what did that path look like for you so i'll look I'll, I'll put the lens on from a bit of a different perspective now that i'm someone who also scouts for talent right because i'm actively looking for people to also be a part of my activations that i'm putting on um so this kind of goes both ways i like to apply these things but i like to look for these things as well um tone love it when someone is not afraid to sound like themselves and really be themselves and when i say be themselves i'm talking everything down to personality to the goofiness to again whatever it is that just kind of separates you as a unique human like a person uh, my least favorite thing is when someone tries to put on someone else's persona or a, a particular persona because i don't think there's a lot of space for that when it comes down to being an on-camera talent. Your time on camera is so limited um, that you really have to know how to take advantage of those moments and just be yourself so that way you are also memorable as a, as a part of the, uh, the activation opportunity. So that's probably the biggest thing. And like I said, I apply that to myself because that was something that throughout the years I had to find about myself. Like, you know, I had this very, very thick New York accent when I first began um, and even now, there's certain words I just pronounce funny. It's just yeah, it the way it sounds, sometimes. you know? I, I can't help it, but I've learned to embrace those things, right? And for the longest times, I was kind of shying away because I wanted to 
I was just trying to fit in. Like, how do I sound like a caster? What does this mean? You know? And then I realized, well, I literally am the caster. I just make the sound. <laughs> this is the sound. That's it. This is what you're getting. Um, and after kind of unlocking that little bit of realization in my in my own brain, I became to find more of my own, again, style, tone, delivery, cadence, uh, the punchiness, the the you know, I keep it relatively serious for the most part. I like to keep it to the show, but I like to crack in those moments of, hey, let's break the script a little bit. It's, it's okay to also, again, sprinkle in a little bit of that flair, that that flavor that you don't know what you're going to get when you get these guys on a mic. Um, so so I, I always try to approach with that. And then also, I don't want to sound like anyone else. So if if the cool word is uh, box like a fish, I'm, I don't use that phrase. Very, very seldomly will use the cool phrase. Um, instead, I want to pioneer what comes next. I want to sound different. I want it to keep it sounding fresh for everyone. So if uh, yeah, if there's someone out there who's doing those things, who's kind of breaking the script, having fun with it, and doing it in their own way, that's um, obviously within the means of being a professional. Those are the guys I'm going to look for, and those are the guys I'm going to try to help develop. Definitely, definitely. Those are some things I've struggled with myself, right? Is At first, you're trying to be like the next X person, right? And then you realize trying to be the next X person, like whoever it may be, say I was trying to be the next monster or whatever, um, that winds up hindering your career more than it does helping. For a brief period of time, it may help you because you'll pick up things that someone does well or you'll continue to improve because you're looking up to someone that does a good job. But over time, you lose your own identity and that's, Something I've struggled with is trying to find how I fit in this space, um, you know, and we'll, we'll still keep working on it, but it is definitely one of the more difficult parts because the game, the talking, it, it comes easy and then all that extra stuff that makes you, you, um, and trying to fit that in into a broadcast without sounding like a jackass that yeah. is like the <laughs> that is the hard part. thing yeah that, that literally is the hard part but you know when when you figure it out that that's what makes each of those talent members memorable right like you know what zeke is going to bring to the table you know he could do the Fortnite, he could do the talking he could do the show hosting but that little bit of zeke is why you're like this guy's good that little bit of shio that guy's good what you see of whatever it is that you guys see in me you probably think yeah see that that's that's what he brings um, and that's what everyone has to find. What do you bring, right? What what can you bring? Um, and how do you do it in a way that kind of fits into the space, like you said, without without being an ass? So <laughs> yeah, you gotta. It, it's it's a it's an interesting um place to be in, but it's also a very special place that we're in, right? We're in one of the most unique opportunities that'll ever arise, like ever in the history. Uh, as it's unfolding right now, we are living in what will be the history of esports. This is only the beginning. We are here as it's starting to become more mainstream we are here as the advertisements are trying to figure out how they fit in this space um and when people start to look at the the story of fortnite because this game's not going anywhere we will be along those that that timeline of yeah people that were a part of these very special times of fortnite's growth and development even in esports so there's a i think there's a lot at play here uh, as far as impact goes that is well beyond just us um and the game that we're a part of but it's more like yeah i guess the history that we're being a part of too is really cool it's hard thinking about that in the moment but i'm sure at some point 
you know, we're all going to go back and be like, wow, I really got to do that, you know? And like, I've had those moments, especially after my first FNCS, like on the broadcast, I was like, no freaking way did I actually get to do that. It's yeah. like, there is thousands of people watching. There's probably thousands of people who think and want to do what I just did. And I, for some reason, got chosen. I, I mean, like, <laughs> there's only so much I can do, so much in my control. Uh, but it's it's really cool, man. And I think the first time I realized that was, like, a Sancho West post. He posted mm. something of, like... I forget who it was. It was an EU FNCS. I think it was Kuriachi when they won FNCS. And he was like, knowing that I got to call this was a super special moment after the fact. And that's something that's now remained with me. And you bringing all that up kind of just, you know, rustles the feathers there of yeah. all that in my mind. It's it's one of those things like, I I genuinely feel like that almost after every show because, um, you know, like I come from a, a very, very humble upbringing, to say the least. You know, fresh out the Bronx, New York City, uh, the slums as 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 bottom of the barrel it can get. Literally, have dealt with uh, you know homelessness growing up. My family having to go shelter to shelter. So that's my upbringing. It's about as tough as it can get. And to overcome that, to get to a point to where I'm my own entrepreneur. I'm taking care of myself. I. Again, I've gone up the, the the stepping stones of life, literally from as low as it can come. Um, and I don't take any opportunity for granted. I don't take my position for granted. And I think all of those little things kind of compound, compound into um, who I am today, why I do what I do today, and why I will continue to do what I do. And it's really a lot has to do with, yeah, dude, I don't ever want to go back to where I was, you know, when I was uh, you know, just 20 years old, that's 10 years ago. Right. <clears throat> so really not that long ago. Um, I've managed to accomplish so much and that's why I give back so much as I continue to kind of, yeah, work my way up in this space. And, and I think that's equally important building that network of friends that are equally successful. Like to me, the, the perfect world is we're all at the top. We are, are all bringing so much value to each other that we can do cool stuff with one another in ways that just are undreamable, unthinkable. Like, how do we get here to be able to connect these dots, marry these two different, you know, functions that we're working on and still deliver something dope. Um, so, yeah, continuing to find ways to bring value and bring people up along with me is definitely the goal. Hey, it's been cool to to get to know you and Panda on a, like just chatting on a regular basis is something I, I really enjoy, like outside of the podcast. We probably it's talk after more. The podcast. <laughs> yeah. The post Fortnite podcast is like longer than the actual hour long <laughs> podcast. And it's just fun to get to speak with people that have similar goals and desi desires in life and enjoy doing what they do. So they put in effort. That was one of the coolest things about getting to go to the studio in Denmark is being surrounded by a lot of people who just want to do a really freaking good job. Because I've had a number of jobs in my life and never before had I had all of my coworkers actually want to be there and then actually want to do a good job. You know, a lot of times you go work a job. I mean, even me, I didn't like any of my previous jobs. There were some I enjoyed more than others. But if I look back at it now, it's like, ah, shit, you know, 
I, I didn't want to go here every day, but doing the broadcast, doing this kind of work, like th- just even this podcast is something I look forward to. And having a career where I get to do those things is incredible. Um, and having the people surrounding me is what makes it even better than simply just getting to do a job, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I absolutely agree. The, the sentiment is there. And like you said, you know, we've, we've definitely had many, many times to talk off air and just really be honest about different topics and, and different situations. But at the end of the day, I'm sure you can attest to like, yeah, who I am right now is still who I am off camera. Like, um, I want to work hard. I want to do dope stuff and I want to continue to push the limits and boundaries um, of, of everyone around me. Like, I mean, even this podcast, you, you know, I try to support you in every way possible. Um, Thank you. Cause, because I think it's, I think it's, I think it's good for you. I think it's great for the space. Um, I mean, look, I get to be on it now. That's, that's cool. <laughs> like, I'll, I'm happy about that. Right. Like this, like, these are why, um, I do the things that I do. I want to push people to, yeah, just do projects, create stuff. So talking about doing what you do, we, uh, just had the FNCS invitational tickets released. Um, I don't think you're going to have to be buying a ticket. Hopefully not for, um, everyone else's sake. But, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on how you feel about Fortnite returning to a LAN environment, having it be like an in-person event for the first time actually hosted by Fortnite since World Cup. I mean, I know we had DreamHacks, but that's different. You know, when you have to bring your own computer, when there's thousands of people, this is an invitational, this is the best of the best. Like, just give me your, your raw thoughts on what we have coming up. Uh, I mean, listen... I'm all about it for for a lot of different reasons. I think to, to start with your question, Fortnite coming back to land, yes, 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 and yes again. <laughs> Some of my most memorable moments clearly was in stadium, being a part of those electrifying moments um, where you quite quite just literally have a front row seat to someone's life changing, and you you know it's happening right before your eyes, like all these cool things like that. Um, it's so special. Uh, even even the small events, like doing packs out me and Bala in what felt like a very intimate corner of the venue was still so dope because you know you had all the parents there, family members, people that were just little fans of Fortnite. And having that opportunity to talk to those guys, it was still as special as any other stage because you know that the players there, their their experience is something that is just, just very, very cool. So all about that um fncs invitation i mean as a whole the roster is it's looking crazy like this is what i want to see um would i have done it differently for sure early on i would have told everyone what was at stake depending on how well you played in the previous fncs's if it were me i would have made that abundantly clear and as all fncs's and hopefully for 2023 will equal a means to making it to an invitational at some point or another at the end of the year i think that needs to be abundantly clear but I get it, logistically speaking, and, you know, we got Epic skirting around the bush here, playing and dabbling. Maybe they got their hands in the fire, right? Don't get too close. They don't want to get burnt. So we're, we're, we're trying, to, trying to warm up to the occasion. Um, good they announced the, the crowd being able to be in attendance. And, I mean, look at the socials. We got three tweets promoting buying tickets. I'll take that. Man, that's more, two days. That's more than I expected. Yeah, within two days, way more than what I expected. So... Um, we're off to a great start and we have quite some time before we get to November. So let's see, you know, right now we're, we got the momentum. Will they keep it up? We'll find out. 
Yeah, we're about two and a half full months away from that event taking place. So it's in my backyard, which I'm super happy about. Everyone gets to come to Raleigh. It's going to be an awesome place. It's not, you know, the biggest city, but it's a perfect size city, if you ask me. That's why I live here. That's why I've stayed here. Uh, you get everything, all the benefits of living in a city without a lot of the downsides. So hopefully it goes well. I would love to see more events come here, especially since Epic Space, like, 20 minutes or so away from the venue i love that we're getting a crowd i was a little nervous about that if i'm being honest with you uh i i, I knew i knew there there's there's no way you bring that many players to one spot and you don't expect fans to want to attend in some capacity right like just looking at the names it, even if it's family of all the players like there's no way you don't allow it to happen it, it kind of it has to happen yeah i figured at some like some capacity there would be i didn't know i mean granted we still have no idea how many fans are going to be there and i believe each player gets like one chaperone and two invites is what i've seen so it's like three people per player there's about 130 140 players um but i don't think the backup players get the extra people so you know let's let's say it's like 300 total of like player people that join them and then, I mean, I have no idea, but I would expect maybe a few thousand, hopefully, like two. I think so. I, I think we would. I think we would. I think if it's all promoted correctly and things like that, we can easily have room for several thousand to show up and participate in this. I don't really remember how many people were in attendance at the World Cup. Um, I think it was like there was fifteen def- to eighteen. Off but the top of my head, sold or the capacity of the venue, right? That's like different. Like how many people showed up versus the capacity of the venue. So um, I I definitely do not anticipate it to be at that scale. Um, but There's no we, chance. Can, the venue yeah, is not, 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 not even close. Yeah, it's not even close to that size. So, but can we fill out a venue of a venue just based off the interest of the players and who's doing? I think absolutely. I think, you know, just looking at the Halo event that took place in Raleigh, looking at the Call of Duty events that take place there, there's clearly people that, are willing to attend these events like there's a basically a history you know post pandemic of things coming online and people willing to show up if they love the game and yeah if you ask me fortnite has a, a fandom there that's willing to show up i believe so uh this this whole pre-ticket registration thing is probably just a means to gauge how many seats they're going to open up in the venue but at the very least regardless of whether or not you know, it's uh, they sell out the entire place or not. They're going to cut it off so that it feels it's going to feel very much filled. I, I believe so. I- I'm I, looking forward to it. I hope so. I mean, some like I'm a big sports fan and like some of my best memories have been like a packed NC State stadium. We played Lamar Jackson right before he got drafted on a Thursday night. And literally the stadium was shaking. It was so loud. I, I don't Ooh. expect it. Like that's like a 35, 40,000 person stadium, a little different. But just having some kind of atmosphere within Fortnite would be monstrous for the scene. Um, no pun intended. But we haven't had those moments. And I feel like that's something that's been missing is getting the person person in person experience not just for the players to get to meet one another but the fans you know someone next to you yo what's up you know you're also a grown person that enjoys watching Fortnite. like that's pretty cool i don't know that many people outside of like 
this small group that I tend to hang out in. So like those opportunities are also really cool and it, it just builds that fandom even further. So knock on wood, you know, there's as many people as possible and I think the event's going to be popping. Uh, listen, if they continue with the promotion that they've been doing and they buy into other outlets like Twitch advertisements and again, there's a lot of w ways they can take this to a completely different level to really draw in an attraction. Um, and they know that, right? Even billboards around Raleigh. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can literally sell your attraction. It depends on how much they are putting in. So far, we're seeing them use their personal medias just, just fine. Like I said, three tweets in 24 hours. Way more messaging than I would have expected this early. We were just talking about uh, activity real. on their social channel not being great. Maybe someone heard us. I don't know. <laughs> Right? Like, it only takes one person to decide, hey, I'm just going to push a little bit more messaging. Sure, let's try it. So, it, it's things like that. We're off to a great start. We're off to a hot start. Um, we'll never know the numbers of the pre-registrations uh, and how many of those are serious because you'll have kids filling it out. They know they can't buy a ticket or fly across the world, but they're going to fill it out. So, of course, we're going to have a little bit of inflation there. Um, but I like that they're doing it this way. I like that they're gauging the, uh, the interest and then, you know, kind of figuring it out because, you know, we have to start somewhere. Well, allegedly it's to avoid bots buying out a bunch of tickets too, so that like actual people buy the tickets and then don't get sold on resale. So I think, I think there's a lot of reasons. But yeah, that's a good one to at least say forward facing. Oh, besides like sense. how many people are signing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get to gauge it before they say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna put X amount of people in this the the venue." So, um, from a, a player's perspective, I want a way too early prediction of who you think's going to win. Like I said, we're two and a half months out. Just if you had to throw it off the top of your head, who you think's winning and maybe a quick reason why I'll give you some time. Cause I just put you on the spot. Unless well, I, was, you're ready. I was trying to go back. I was trying to go back in my, um, my message history on, on Twitter in particular, because I, I believe I put something out, but I might've deleted it. But the player that I, I was actually and genuinely am most interested in is Boogie Miro. I, not really about who's winning, but how they perform as a, again, an apples to apples to the rest of the region. It's pretty clear that Europe is going to be at the very top of the standings, almost probably the full top 10. There's a extreme likelihood of that because there's just more teams, uh, European teams in attendance. Uh, but also the skill of Europe is unlike undeniable they are very very great players um so with that being said that's what i'm probably most interested in is how our booga and Miro, whom i view to be like one of the best teams in our region as far as consistency goes pairs up against everyone else that's coming in attendance i think as far as who is likely to take it probably a european team um probably tason probably again one of these top tier European duos, I would see more likely to take the event. Looking past them, there's a chance for NA to come out on top. If they, if it is going to happen, I genuinely think it might be Epic Whale and one of the West Boys. Okay. I've gotten to see them play in person at DreamHack Dallas. One of the few, again, recent activations that I've been able to attend that's been in person. And watching Reet from over the shoulder, watching Snacky from over the shoulder, watching Epic Whale from over the shoulder there, these guys are cold. They are 
stone cold players and they are very good and i'm talking with the lag with with all the environmental um factors that come into play people banging the table and you're sitting on that same flimsy table like <laughs> epic whale he didn't flinch snacky doesn't flinch you know when they when they get eliminated they're they're not tilting off of their tournament performance it's very interesting and that's an in-person environment again as close as we've gotten to it so seeing that from those two players i'm really thinking just based off only what i've seen they have the mentality to take it all from a north american representation so you know I, i'm thinking na west might genuinely be up at the very tippity top again a snacky duo and or epic will depending on who they come in with or someone like Taysen, like one of the, the clear just gods of Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think we'll see, like definitely have some surprises. I don't know. I, I would probably consider NA West being top five as a surprise, unless it's Epic Whale, because I feel like a lot of people no longer count him out just because he's on West, especially what he just did in the Gamers 8 tournament. That's, I was going to say a Gamers 8, uh, DreamHack. Was it DreamHack Sweden? Was he there? No, it might it might have just been Gamers Eight, Malabuka, and uh, Epic World's most recent performance. Yeah, for sure. Puts them as a shoe in uh, for someone to keep your eye on. But like, it was DreamHack Dallas for me that really just I'm just looking at these players like, oh, holy crap. Okay, it really they're really the real deal. Like, <laughs> you get to see it. So, yeah, I think from my perspective, I feel like, and obviously it could change and it depends on you know the meta and all that, but. Throw that away. I think Seti and Cami are coming off hungry after not winning uh, the most recent in-person event. And they seem to constantly put in the work. There's, I would say a lot of these duos put in the work. Um, but they seem to be the most like fundamentally sound duo that I've seen play season to season in a very long time. Now... The problem is fundamentally sound doesn't always mean that they're going to win, right? Sometimes you run into a, another team that coincides with how you play the game and railroads you in a different direction. Then that's all like the other team that I would throw up there would be Malibu and Mustache because they're literally just a wild card, right? They just go and bully lobbies. They are that train that's railroading people and making it difficult. So well, let's, those, let's not forget though. The game can change. The meta literally changed today. We had the silence patch, essentially, that went directly into Arena, like pumped directly into the game. So they're... the the interesting thing about what we've seen develop over the last year is the identity of Fortnite's combat system has been the same. SMGs have been dominant. The moment that changes and even goes as far as like mobility becoming more of a thing, we don't know what kind of season we're going to have around November. That will shake up everything right now it's clear for us to see why these certain players are continuing to play the same the game has kind of been the same for competitive it's been very you know fat cut very dry very consistent and that's why you see cami and seti you know finishing what was it a uh, top three at, at gamers eight that's why you see epic whale malabuka malabuka is just consistent he's like the solo cash cup king it's translating into FNCS performances. It's translating into anything he touches, right? But the game hasn't changed. Boogie and Miro, same reason. Uh, you know, scented again in that same compartment of the game hasn't changed, but so has it the top of our standings. Um, it was so much different before when you see Coop come out of nowhere and win an FNCS 
or uh True. you know what i mean like Too it was just like coming roll the nowhere. dice who fish you roll the dice the yeah. meta was shifting so fast you could roll the dice you didn't know who's going to be great on the season right now you can tell who's going to be great on the season if the season like right now changes shield bubbles suppressed weapons one removal of the scope rifle or the smg and all of a sudden your marksmen's the people that have that deadly shot hey that burst is out of here you're not as good right you're not you're literally not as good essentially yeah, and I'll be interested to see because I think Europe has the advantage because of the current practice system they have that the changes will be more advantageous to them than it would be to any other region in my current knowledge, right? At Things could change. People could create better practice and take it seriously. But right now, I mean, Noble is really one of the only top tier one player practices that we're seeing. I mean, Manu's doing it a little bit here in NA, but I know it's not the same caliber uh, just yet and it could be um that's why i want to see like you mentioned the buga miro is one team that i've always been a, a fan of is fatch and pam stew um love seeing those guys succeed and they're just kind of those quiet like killers in in the night that will just all right no one really is going to count on us count us out doesn't matter we'll just do our thing we'll play well doesn't matter what goes on and i love that from them just always being that guy and they've pretty much consistently improved throughout the year playing together so maybe peaking at the right time who knows yep. um and then the other one is i think we mentioned this right before the podcast but siun uh one of the brazilian players had to pull out due to visa issues i think he was playing with king he was an invite of king so king now is gonna have to choose from some of the backup players which kind of sucks um would have loved to see those two play together your first option right you don't want to play with a secondary option um nonetheless king, king is interesting too people don't realize that king is still at the like pretty much the top of his game granted again i think you have like rusty 9k on on brazil and a couple others who have just been kind of taken the crone as far as like uh, the crown excuse me as far as uh, winning those FNCSs and like being consistently there. But King was invited to that NRG in person Zone Wars tournament, and the dude is nasty. And that was in person, and he wins that whole thing against some of the best our region has to offer. Um, you had representation from OCE there, Brazil, NA. It was a, it was a mini international tournament, only based around Zone War. And Zone War is a direct, uh, you know, simulation, if you will, of Endgame. Or in like box fights and stuff like that, so it was uh, it was definitely pretty cool. And King is King's great on land. You saw what he did at World Cup. That was the reason he popped off. He did not leave by any means. He only became literally the staple of Brazil, and then shows up to one of the first in-person activations that that uh, box fight tournament, and takes that. So you can't count him out to be on land and just ruin players' tournaments. If there's nothing else he does, is he's going to be at the top of the standings for eliminations. And he's going to ruin players' tournaments, like, literally. Yeah, just remove people. I mean, that's a cool story. I, I do like how Epic invited both him and Mr. Savage. To me, those are, like, two big storylines that now get to continue, right? They were two players that made it to World Cup, and they get to now see, a few years later, where are we compared to everyone else? And... I mean, both of them, like, it's not like they're just a, a cheap invite. Like, oh, cool, you're a content creator. Like, they could both 
place very well within this tournament. So it'll be cool to see where exactly um, both of them end up because they're, they're a few of the last people left that made World Cup. And, and Savage has a, a great track record of playing well in private lobbies, like finals lobbies. Like, so he, he does have a solid track record of playing well. If things go in his favor, he doesn't, he, he won't miss the opportunity to capitalize on an opportunity, if you will. So he will capitalize on every opportunity that's given to him. If he gets zone favor, it, that's it. Like it's literally just so happens to be his day. That's all you need. Like a little bit of luck too. People forget that in Fortnite, these players take that very, very far. That half in half out is not to be underestimated. There are people that have won tournaments because they pulled three of those or like they found launch pads or whatever. Like that difference maker is sometimes all you need to be as consistent as you need to be to be the best team on any given tournament day. Yeah, I liken that to being like a one of the best pitchers in the MLB. You know, the best pitchers in the league are the ones that can, in, in this example, win games when they don't get fifth zone, right? So when you're having a bad day, how good are you to overcome those things? So like you mentioned, it'll, it'll be cool to see who is able to shift things around and make it happen. It, because it's not always going to pull your way. And if, if it does, call yourself Booga and you're chilling. Yep, exactly. A little bit of marketability, as we like to call it, in the, <laughs> in the, in the scene. Uh, and also, but let, let's not just forget that, yeah, cool, We clearly we have a dope tournament coming in front of us, but we have a chance to capture a lot of content. We have a chance to get to know so much more about the players. Um, from, from my understanding, and, and I've chatted with some people you know, internally and, and with the players, everyone knows that we need more content and i'm looking forward to like how we take advantage of this opportunity with all these people together um what are our organizations going to do what documentaries are going to come out of this we have a lot of cool content come out of um the journey of players at world cup phase mm -hmm. filmed a whole bunch of stuff they had meet and greets like there's so much you can do while the players are there i hope the organizations are thinking long and hard about this um and if they're not <laughs> i mean get to it right like there's a real chance here where you have all these guys coming together. Um, and, and this is where, for a lot of people, their story will begin. Yeah, and ho hopefully it's told right, like you said. Um, that's a good point. Hey, Orgs, if you're listening to this, get get your ass moving. It's uh, two and a half months, it. but that will quickly turn into nothing. Um, and that, like, what you just mentioned, uh, obviously, I'm not an org, but, like, that's why I wanted to do what, like, what we're doing right now is just getting to know people, getting people to feel like people, and not just a character within a game. Um, so, hopefully, over the next few months, I can participate in that in the best way possible. Uh, we got some cool ones, as well as your podcast. So, that'll be interesting. Um Want to start to wrap things up here. We've quickly gone over an hour, uh, and I appreciate your time. But uh, first of all, a couple of questions for you to, to wrap things up. Your favorite Fortnite skin? Oh, my favorite Fortnite skin. Who do I wear the most? Like, when I'm playing on my free time, I'm, I'm a minimalist. I go to a lot of the, like, I guess the default-esque style reskins. Okay. Um, but if I'm going to choose one that's, like, my identity, I rock, like, the Technique. Or the uh, the abstract, which are the two graffiti skins. So I try to stay on brand with those. So. Okay. And but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the yeah the minimal the minimalist eye skins of the original characters reskin. 
So any any of those like desert camouflage ones, um, even even the ones that are simple, like with just the sunflower hat and the the trousers on, and like I don't know, those ones look pretty cool to me. I like that. I like that. And your your favorite skins kind of segue well into how you got your name. Like, where does Monster D Face come from? What's the Monster D Face origin story? I'm a graffiti artist, guys. When I jumped on Twitch and I had to create a name, um, I just put in Monster D Face. That's my tag. So in graffiti, you have kind of your long name and then you have your short name. So my short tag is D Face, like defacing property. And my long tag is I'm the monster deface. So I'm the monster defacer. And I'm pretty good at graffiti. If you guys want to see more of that, you can find that on Instagram. Or if you scroll deep enough on Twitter, I occasionally post art on there too. But yeah, that's where the name comes from, man. It was a, a chance occurrence that I got kind of popular with this name. Um, people take the name a, down a lot of different routes as the D standing for something else, <laughs> which is hilarious. But it also just goes to show that if I can make it with this name and people quite literally never understand what the D stands for, because it doesn't really stand for anything, but they go down that route anyways, and anyone can make it with just about any branding if you work hard enough. So think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, the the D face, you know, that definitely doesn't lead you down any thought processes <laughs> exactly. there. I don't know why people just, I guess, yeah, it's an uncommon word to, like to deface things. No one really uses that in any kind of normal uh, vernacular, or the normal sentence, I should say. Um, so, yeah. All right, cool. That's where Monster D Face comes from. Don't take it any other way. And lastly, uh, what are you up to next? Where can people find you? Give yourself a nice shout. Hey, guys, you can find me at Monster D Face across all social handles. As far as what I'm up to next, like I said, guys, just constantly trying to bring projects and, and cool activations to the scene. I'm sure if any of you guys follow me on Twitter, you'll see an opportunity that just might be for you, whether that be, again, finding work opportunities in the esports space or play-in opportunities as a competitor. Um, one of our big goals is to make sure that um, we continue to create an inclusive experience. So that just means available to everyone. Um, so a lot of amateur to pro stuff. Awesome. Definitely give him a follow if you don't already. And thank you so much, Monster, for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, nice, fun conversation. Quickly Heck went yeah. over an hour without any even effort to it. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't, we didn't even get started uh, peeling back this onion, guys. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a, a part two at some point or another in the future. I'm sure there's plenty we could chat about. But, yeah, thanks thanks for the invite. Of course, man. Uh, happy to have you on and definitely going to – we'll run it back sometime again. Appreciate you. Um, if you guys are watching, listening, wherever you consume this podcast, want to say thank you. If you have any complaints, questions, advice, whatever you want to do, throw it to me. Somebody's gone on Twitter. DMs are the best way to do that. Otherwise, appreciate you guys watching. This was the FN Story, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.